0: Hi, I'm Esau Kwonga, and I'm Ryan Hunt, and we co-host Stadio, a football podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote vs. the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, Whom he nicknamed the Swans, starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit
2: fxnetworks.com/slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. dot com Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. It is Monday,
1: November 21st. Last Thursday in my newsletter I write for Puck, I reported on a curious meeting. Bob Iger, the former CEO of Disney, left the job in 2020. He was meeting privately with a group of media investors in LA. Why would he do that? Those meetings are typically reserved for people that are running big companies, companies like Disney. Then last night we learned why. Iger is back, baby. 70 year old guy who ran Disney very successfully for 15 years, bought Marvel and Pixar and Star Wars and Fox, transformed a 100 year old company in a lot of the ways that Hollywood does business, is returning to his job. For what the Disney board says is a two-year salvage mission. Why? They're pretty much in panic mode at Disney these days. Bob Chapek, the guy Iger handpicked to succeed him, has presided over a massive drop in value at the company, which culminated in a disastrous earnings call earlier this month in which Disney revealed it lost $1.5 billion on streaming just this quarter. Turns out making Star Wars and Marvel shows for the internet is super expensive. (laughs) And the cable bundle and the ESPN are declining faster than anticipated. This is causing anxiety all over Hollywood. But at Disney, it was also Chapek himself. We've talked about him on this show, and it was always going to be tough following a showman like Iger. But Chapek had no experience making content when he got the job. He was a parks and consumer products executive, mostly. And he made some pretty glaring missteps during his tenure like getting in a public fight with both the governor of Florida and Scarlett Johansson over her pay on Black Widow, or reorganizing the company to take power away from creative executives or charging 20 bucks extra to ride the best rides at the parks. Iger didn't like a lot of those moves that Chapek made, and he made it known around town. I heard it all the time. Now it's a little like the Leno-Conan situation in Late Night. Remember when that happened? And they moved Leno out of The Tonight Show because he was too old. And then they had to bring Conan in to try to get a younger audience. The ratings dropped. So then they panicked. They brought Leno back. And the ratings still dropped because it was about secular declines in late night viewing. It wasn't necessarily about the host. Iger hopes that's not the case here. As for Chapek, it was mostly the financials that doomed him. Disney was headed in the wrong direction. And that's why the board sacked him just a few months after renewing his contract. So now, the Bob Iger era, part two. We're in unprecedented waters here. What will he do with this company? Just reverse all the things Chapek did? Cut the spending? Maybe do one Marvel show a year, not three? Buy something big like Netflix or a video game company? We're going to get into that today. No call sheet, but I've got Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg, and we're going to read the Disney tea leaves upon the re-coronation of Bob Iger. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. Okay, we are here with Lucas Shaw. Lucas, this qualifies as an emergency pod, doesn't it? Certainly an emergency news situation.
0: Yeah, it it, it interrupted my lovely dinner last night. It interrupted both of our vacations. So if we're going to stay up until till midnight reporting on it, we might as well then talk about what it all means. All right, so this
1: change, Bob Iger in, Bob Chapek out, the entire past three years of changes, at the Walt Disney Company now in question. I got to admit, I was pretty shocked the way it went down. Yet, in many ways, it was totally predictable. I mean, there was no immediate warnings. I mean, I wrote in my piece last week that Iger was meeting with investors, which is something that people typically don't do unless they're with a company. But yet, there's been this pretty constant drumbeat for more than three years now about Chapek and his fumbles, and can he live up to Bob Iger and the company's stock going down? Yet the Disney board re-upped him for another two years this summer. So, you know, is this just a financial move? Is this just a knee-jerk reaction to the fact that Disney just revealed a $1.5 billion loss in streaming for the quarter. This was the final straw and they had to make a change. Or do you think this is something that has been brewing for a while and it just so happens that it dropped on a Sunday night, disrupting both of our lives?
0: So I have to preface this by acknowledging that I'm still early in the reporting and trying to figure out what happened in the the minds and behavior of Susan Arnold, who's the, the chair of the Disney board, Bob Iger, other board members. Uh, but it is evident that Bob Chapek uh, has committed a number of mistakes as the CEO of Disney, and dissatisfaction with him was growing. At the same time that there was growing skepticism about kind of the media business in general. You know, the stocks for all these big companies, as you and I have discussed, are way down. Uh, Disney in particular is down, I think, flirting with its worst year uh, in like since the 1970s. Um, and they're just coming off this, this earnings call and earnings report where the stock tanked both because of the news that the uh, of losses at streaming and, and Disney Plus, and also just the way that sort of Chapek handled the call. I mean, he's just never felt like a natural on those. And I, it sounds silly to to critique him for that, but it matters. There was always something about how smooth and charismatic Iger sounded relative to a lot of his peers, where it, it, well, it was also the substance. It was the substance. I mean, he's. Lit- I listened to the call. He was literally
1: talking about the Oogie Boogie Bash at Disneyland and, like, Mickey's not-so-scary holiday experience when everyone's looking at the numbers going, holy shit, what just happened? Disney does not miss its earnings projections very often. And this was a huge miss, and it was treated like it was just some kind of normal call.
0: Disney under Iger. Always had some answer to those moments, right? Like they would, they would have a report where they would acknowledge, uh, you know, law, subscriber losses at ESPN or something like that. But he, I think, maybe inspired by by Steve Jobs, he'd like always have some ace in the hole where he'd trot out some piece of news that would counter the narrative and get people excited again. And 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 JPEC has not learned from that. That's exactly right. I remember even the back in the days when
1: Disney's movies were just like losing money right and left. They were taking huge write downs. There was a $300 million write down on the litigation involving who wants to be a millionaire. Anytime they had bad news, it would be like, well, we're, you know, we're breaking ground on a new park in China. Or we're, you know, something where everyone will be like, whoa, that's huge. Or Disney, ESPN
0: ESPN just- ESPN is losing subscribers, but Disney Plus is on the way. We're pulling, we're yanking our movies from Netflix because we're really serious about streaming. There was always, he he just, he played the game, obviously with help from his his close advisors, he played the game really well. And that tact has been missing uh, at the top of Disney for the last couple of years. Everything from the response to Don't Say Gay Bill, to Scarlett Johansson, lawsuit and and all that stuff um and what i'm curious about is you know one of the things that as as, as you and, and many others have reported that drove Iger nuts was that he picked ChayPek because he thought that chapec was going to be sort of a steward of his legacy right like Iger had positioned this company perfectly for the future he'd acquired lucasfilm he'd acquired marvel he'd acquired pixar and then he launches this great streaming service And with it takes Chapek almost no time at all to just undo everything that he did, and I'm curious how much of Chapek's undoing he redoes, or like what? Where does the company go? What is the what is the vision? Because as as you pointed out, the numbers recently have been very bad.
1: Right, and when you talk about the re doing of this company. You're talking about the reorganization that Chapek did, where he took control away from the creative people and put it in the hands of a distribution arm that was staffed by a guy who did not have content experience. You're talking about some of the things they did with the parks, where they just started to you know, turn up the dial on charging people more and putting more emphasis on squeezing profitability out of the, the parks. And a lot of it is the streaming strategy. I mean, this was a company Iger put this in motion. So it's not, he's not blameless here, but the whole notion of spending as much as you can to grow subscribers that hasn't been working for a year now, basically. And CPEX strategy really hasn't shifted when the market shifted. So you could argue that there needed to be more vision. There from the leadership to say, oh, you know, maybe we should be doing something more of a hybrid strategy or doing something different or not setting ourselves up to lose so much money when our revenue from streaming is not there, at least not yet. Um, I, I wonder though, would anyone have survived this downturn? You know, I call it the great Netflix correction, which is basically the past year where the market has absolutely turned on streaming and no one thinks it's going to be as profitable as they once did? Would anyone in this job have been caught up in this particular downturn? Or is this a situation unique to JPEG?
0: That's the key question, right? You look across the industry, and it's not like anybody has a better answer, right? It feels like every company is flailing a little bit, because they're not sure what to do about The declines in pay TV when streaming was supposed to be the solution, and now it's not clear to everyone if streaming is that solution. You know, Iger has has timed everything in his career pretty perfectly, which is part of the reason why I actually find him coming back so interesting, because it is the one thing that could pose a risk to his legacy. You know, he he left Disney with the streaming service thriving before the pandemic closed down the parks, before the pandemic shut movie theaters. That the company looked practically invincible and it was the one media company that was immediately posing a real challenge to Netflix. Disney is in a totally different situation right now. Now don't get me wrong the theme parks still a great business as far as movie studio goes Disney still is the strongest. ESPN for all its flaws generates a bunch of money and yes their streaming business is really second only to to Netflix in scale. Um, but the trend lines in a lot of those businesses are going in the wrong direction. And it'll be really interesting to see if if Iger has a solution or if this is, like a lot of athletes, a case of sort of one of the all-time greats coming back for a little bit too long, if this is, I don't know, the Michael Jordan Wizards moment.
1: Yeah, I think he's got something up his sleeve. I think he doesn't come back unless he comes back to do something, whether that is buying a video game company, buying Netflix, buying some big asset that would be add to the company and turn it into a digital powerhouse. Uh, But it does raise this question of the risks to Iger's legacy in doing this. You just mentioned all the reasons why he has this sterling reputation. He's coming back into the company now and essentially putting that all on the table. He didn't have to do this. And a lot of other CEOs would say, thank you, I'm flattered. But I, you know, I'm in reti- I'm retired now. I'm 71 years old. Um, you know, godspeed. He is not that guy. We've known he's not that guy. That guy doesn't go around town trashing his successor when he's been out of the company and he handpicked that guy. So he comes back and puts it all on the line. This is a hugely risky move for this guy. I, I just don't, I don't know what the potential upside is. Whose
0: second act is better than the first? Maybe Steve Jobs. That's it. These executives do it because of ego and 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 hubris. <laughs> Come on, let's not. This is not that complicated. This guy is one of the great executives of his time. He doesn't become that because he has limited self regard. Bob Iger is great. Any Bob Iger thinks Bob Iger is great, and so that makes it. That's true,
1: and he he does not. Also, he also does not like journalists who who may question his greatness
0: yeah <laughs> I, i'm 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 not here to do that but i I am here to say <laughs> that his reputation is on the line a little bit because he's he timed his exit perfectly and and now he's got to prove it again and you may be right that he has uh he he has a big trick up his sleeve uh I don't know that just consolidating within the industry, like buying Netflix, really qualifies as that. You know, maybe gaming, which is really one of the few areas where he he, he failed as CEO, is the one where he takes another run at it. But his move has been to kind of improve the company through acquisition. Do you think you brought up the journalist thing? Why do you think he's never gotten more criticism for how he's handled succession?
1: Well, that and that you're right, and I'll answer that question. But we should say the big blemish on his resume is the succession question. He is retired and unretired three times before he finally stepped down. He had these guys who were heir apparents, like Tom Staggs, Kevin Mayer, now Chapek, that he's you know elevated and then absolutely kneecapped. Um, the succession issue is a big issue for him, and that is the one opportunity he has here when he's coming back to the company. Fix that blemish, go in there, find somebody, groom that person, set the company up for in two, I don't believe it's going to be two years. I think he'll probably stay three, but in two or three years, be able to say, okay, this is the person who we now feel comfortable with. And this person has content experience and business experience and is a state's person and someone who can guide the company in the future. The succession question is exactly related to ego. It's, it, I don't believe that he ever thought anyone else was good enough to do the job. Well, or, or is it that he never wanted to leave? Maybe he, you know, it could be both. I think right? they're related. Yeah. I think they're related. I think, I think one is related to the other because guys like that who have done a great job and have been praised in the you know media community and in the investor community for a, you know 15 years now, they start to believe their own press and they say, okay, well, who else is me? And then you look at these candidates and this person doesn't have X. This person doesn't have Y. Uh, It it becomes a problem. And he's not alone in that. A lot of CEOs have this problem when they're successful. They just don't feel
0: anyone else. His predecessor, Michael Eisner, did not want to leave. It's sort of, it's a Disney syndrome, right? It's hard. it's hard. It's hilarious to see Eisner tweeting today. Welcome
1: back to the company, Robert Iger. It's like, uh, irony alert.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, being the CEO of Disney is one of the greatest jobs in the world. I mean, it's it's taxing, it's hard, it's, like, I wouldn't... You know, all those stories about Bob Iger wakes up at 4 a.m. and his re- crazy regimented schedule. Um, but you run the most beloved entertainment company on Earth. And it gets you into every hall of power you could ever want. Who doesn't want that job? It's very hard to give up. It's one of the reasons why I think it was so hard for him to give it up. Do you... But... um. I I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but you brought up him looking for a successor and it is implicit in, in, and I think explicit in him coming back that he will find someone. Do you think that that successor is inside the company right now?
1: Right now, no. And I think we will have a big sign very soon. If Iger brings back Peter Rice, who was the head of the TV side of the company until he was fired, by Bob Chapek, if Iger brings him back, I think that is a big sign that Iger sees him as a potential heir, because I don't think Peter Rice would come back just to be the, you know, the head of his old job, the head of TV for a few years until Iger leaves. And then maybe the next person finds their own person. Uh, I also feel like it would be a big, uh, not not a middle finger, but it, it wouldn't be great for Dana Walden, who is the successor to Peter Rice. Um, and she is, you know, very competent executive. But if Rice comes back, he's the guy. He's the heir. Otherwise, I don't know who in the company is going to be that person. They may have to bring someone in or identify someone at another company and start talking to that person.
0: I just don't know. I don't know who that is. Do you have a, a, an idea? Well, so the the tricky part about Iger having hollowed out the executive ranks over the years, which which happened because he could not let go of control is there, he, he, there there wasn't a deep bench it's one of the reasons that Chapek ended up being CEO because Jay Rasulo Tom Staggs Kevin Mayer who'd been kind of top lieutenants of Iger were all all either left or were pushed out uh because he didn't want to give them the top job um the the only person in the company now and and it would be a a, a big jump for her is Dana uh, you know, Dana, Dana Walden has a lot of things going for her. She has very strong creative connections, which is something that I think Iger will care about. She has experience in uh, across the TV business, which is something that, given his own background, he'll care about. And it would mean something for Disney to finally have a, a, a female CEO. Um, but... And, and, and you bring up the the question of Peter Rice. it is I am curious whether he he thinks at all about bringing him back. That would be both expensive and very tricky, considering Dana's role. It would only work if Peter came back in like a you know, he's clearly number two and clearly the successor. Um, right. And then the the wild card, I guess would be if the either if there's someone he has his eye on outside or if there is a transformational m A, and they they put someone from this other company in charge but that would be highly unusual if unprecedented in disney history
1: yeah i love dana she's very competent executive but she would need a crash course in the other aspects of the business you know she is not a parks person she is not you know particularly focused on um international stuff so i i I think she would need a a very big learning
0: curve, but maybe that would happen over two years. The thing to remember is that's true for a lot a lot of these people, right? Like a right. lot of the folks you you, you spend a couple of years maybe being groomed for that job. All the knocks against these potential CEOs, you know, that was one of the, honestly, one of the knocks against Peter Rice when people were talking about him when he still worked at the company mm-hmm. is could he be the successor to Iger instead of JPEG was he had no experience in parks. He had no experience in some of these other businesses that Disney had. Um, you can, but if Iger decides that he thinks someone is a, a a logical successor and he does it properly, he can start giving that person experience in some of these areas.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details.
1: All right, so let's talk about the practical implications here. You've got a new leader coming in. There are tons of issues that are open issues with Disney things that they are in the middle of, like they're about to raise prices on Disney Plus from $8 to $11 and introduce an ad tier. Do you think that stays? I think that that moves forward, that stays,
0: right? Yeah, it has to. I mean, that would be a pretty big reversal. If one of the problems or one of the reasons that they're getting rid of JPEG is because the stock is tanking, getting rid of one thing that Wall Street actually likes is a terrible idea.
1: Yeah, and I had heard that that Iger thought that Disney Plus should have a price hike even earlier than it actually did. I mean, they intentionally underpriced it, so. Right. Does this mean that Hulu is going to be consolidated into Disney Plus even faster than it was supposed to be or that it was going to
0: have the opportunity to be consolidated because Comcast still owns that 30% of it? This ties into a larger question I have which is sort of what does the Disney brand mean to to Bob Iger right like they created Disney Plus as a separate entity from Hulu in part because they didn't fully control Hulu but but also because they've always Bob, Bob, Bob Iger was a very careful steward of kind of what Disney looked and meant and felt like to people uh it's supposed to be a very family friendly brand which is not something that hulu always is it's one of the reasons why he was opposed to gambling which is another thing that that we have to get into where bob chapek had aggressively pursued gambling deals uh with espn as a as a brand sponsor for some for some gambling service or gambling app this is something that Iger had rejected and so does does he now reverse course on that can he turn away millions of dollars in potential sponsorship money to me, it's a similar question to what does he do with Disney Plus and Hulu. It would make sense to try to consolidate all of it in, in some way, shape, or form because they've already done it abroad. Um, But... Yeah, you go on Disney
1: Plus overseas and you see Pam and Tommy sex tape show on Disney Plus. And I think that... One of the things Chapek did show is that people are tolerant of more adult stuff on Disney Plus. Like the Deadpool movies are there now, and they're rated R. You know, I've been watching Andor, and that's a more, it's a racier Star Wars show. They've put more, more and more adult stuff on Disney Plus, and it doesn't seem to turn people away incorporating hulu would be a whole different thing because you've got all the fx shows the ryan murphy stuff you'd have to kind of separate it and put parental controls even more so than they have already instituted um but i don't see Iger backing away from that the gambling issue is an interesting one because i think public tastes around that issue have changed a little in the past few years and it's much more accepted everybody you know is much more uh tolerant of gambling it seems with these brands so i would also be surprised if eiger completely put up that wall again especially given the financial issues at espn and how beneficial these gambling
0: uh spartan partnerships are to the bottom line going back to the hulu one just because i'm thinking about the money for the company right so if they end up having to buy comcast or end up choosing to buy comcast out of hulu as they're supposed to do in their deal they're going to end up spending anywhere from, you know, eight to $15 billion on that, that remaining 30% that Comcast has, you know, if, if they don't do a gambling deal, are they going to have, they obviously have the money to do that, but do they have the money to do some other big deal? Do they want to go really in debt at a time of high interest rates, anything like that? Um, I don't know.
1: It is an interesting question. And, and, you don't think that Iger will be open to selling ESPN, do you? I, I still think that Iger, and JPEG was like this as well, that they would much rather try to figure out a transition plan for moving ESPN into the digital age and figuring out what that brand ultimately is going to mean in streaming because they have ESPN+. Plus. There's just not a lot on it right now, and they have these... They have these rights deals that are tied to the linear cable bundle. I don't think that Iger is going to all of a sudden say, you know what, let's get rid of ESPN, even though Dan Loeb, the investor this summer, called for them to do exactly that.
0: I, I Look, if, if Wall Street is worried about big media companies because streaming services don't make money and their profits are, seem to be going down, selling something that generates a ton of profit like ESPN does not make a lot of sense. Now, maybe Bob Iger can sell it as part of this strategic vision where they're getting they're distancing themselves from from the linear business uh which he's been very, you know, he's he's been very concerned about the future of that business in his public comments and uh and clearly is a believer in the streaming future um i have to think that he takes the valuable asset and figures out something to do with it he went in their next nba deal he has he works out some arrangement with adam silver the commissioner of the nba to make sure that espn plus gets a really good streaming package something like that that he can can yeah. uh, can kind of smooth that transition
1: yeah i think that's probably the way they will go because there are some people that just want ESPN and ABC and Freeform and all those Disney channels, they just want them to cut bait, say, we are a streaming company now. We are not a television company. That is the past. We're going to sell all this off and we're going to invest the money into building up streaming. And that could include paying a lot of money for exclusive sports rights on streaming. But I I just don't see Iger being that radical. This is a guy who grew up In television, he ran ABC. I don't see him offloading those assets. Let's move on to the final thing here. Where where is Disney in two years? Obviously, the stock shot up today. People are excited about Iger coming back. That was pretty expected, but that's short term. Uh, Where is Disney in two years? Do you think Iger will be successful in finding someone to replace him? Do you think he will be able to right the ship and convince Wall Street that Disney? Is going to be able to cross this bridge to the streaming future without, you know, completely capsizing and uh, dying
0: on the linear vine. Where, where do you think we'll be? Look, I just I don't buy that Disney is in as dire straits as as its current stock price would lead you to believe. Um, you know, you Disney owns some of the most beloved and valuable IP in the world, and no company has been better at finding ways to make money from those different characters, whether that's in its parks, movie theaters, streaming, linear networks, toys. Gaming is, again, the the kind of the one exception for that, but they have time to figure it out. Um, I just think compared to its peers, it's more diversified, it's less reliant on TV, it's way ahead in streaming, and the company's gonna be fine. And I get that kind of broader market concerns weighed on it, and also skepticism about Bob Chapek as a leader uh, kind of hurt their valuation. and I, I, I'm not here to say that I think Bob Iger is going to manage uh, you know, a seamless succession because he has not done it yet. Um, but in terms of the, the value of that company and, and where it's headed, I think it's going to be fine.
1: I agree with you on the business. I'm very skeptical on succession.
0: Yeah, as, as we all should be. This guy has, has refused to quit. Yes. <laughs> this, is,
1: this is a pathology that he had. This is a psychological problem. Where he has been unable to identify Groom and successfully name someone to take over for him. And I, I, I guess you could say he's got a mandate now. It was specifically in the press release. Uh, but we'll see. you know, if he finds someone in two years, that means two years from now, Bob Iger is back in the same spot, you know, going to investor meetings and, you know, uh, hanging out on his yacht. And he'll be 73 at the time, but probably still wanting to be in the game. So I don't know. I mean, I, the one thing I differ, I do think Iger's management of the brand is going to cause some immediate, pretty immediate changes at the parks. How so? I think he will reverse some of the upcharges, some of the, uh, you know, the the price gouging within the parks where, you know, maybe the ticket price to get in will stay high or, or increase. But Paying $20, $25 to ride certain rides, um, increasing the price of food, all the little nickel and diming that the fans have complained about, this Genie Plus system, the reservation system that turns a day at Disneyland into like a homework assignment. I think he's going to make some moves there that may hit the bottom line a little bit, but ultimately will be better for the brand. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part as someone with a kid who goes to these parks, but... I, I think that he has a much better sense of the fan and, and the Disney community feeling towards what's going on there. And it, it's not good right now.
0: It's very negative,
1: despite all the profits.
0: I mean, look, this is what I'd say about Iger and Succession all those things. If I were 71 and had hundreds of millions of dollars and had been one of, you know, had my legacy secured, I would just go and hang out and enjoy retirement. But that's probably why I am not Bob Iger. <laughs> Neither am
1: I. All right, thanks for coming on, Lucas. Appreciate the time. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. We'll be back on Wednesday. We're talking Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster on Wednesday. Good show. We'll see you then.
2: This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th. And in theaters everywhere, get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most,